I'm Reverend Jay Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. We have the privilege of having uh, Stephen Beard with us today. Stephen is a nutritionist as well as a diabetes prevention lifestyle coach. And as we enter the new year, we've decided to include a series on the topic of metabolic health. And someone may ask, well, how does the topic of metabolic health fit into a podcast platform that is focused on matters of faith and spirituality? Somewhere else it is written, do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And Jesus said that we are to love God, love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And today I want to, Stephen and I would like to make the point that loving ourselves is demonstrated by taking care of ourselves, including our metabolic health. So at this time, I invite Stephen to come on into the room, introduce himself and share with us what we mean by the term metabolic health and why is it crucial thank you reverend glover um hi everyone uh as reverend glover stated i my name is stephen and uh i am a nutritionist as well as a diabetes prevention lifestyle coach um, and a board certified um, wellness practitioner um, i actually got into this field as myself being diagnosed more than 29 years ago as a type 1 diabetic and I've spent most of my lifetime doing research um, to be able to help myself from a holistic and functional um, approach to improving my metabolic health um, and my overall lifestyle and well-being um, to where I am able to stay ahead of my autoimmune disease um, and live a very prosperous life full of energy and vitality. Mm-hmm. So, um, why don't we do this? Um, this is a, the first in a series. Uh, this one will be entitled Unveiling, Unveiling the Metabolic, Metabolic Puzzle. So, perhaps we can kind of give a brief breakdown of each lifestyle illness. Okay, first, um, let's go, let's uh, back up a little bit so I, I can kind of like help educate everyone who's listening. Um, just in regards to what metabolic health actually means mm-hmm. um, and then why it's so crucial. So <clears throat> everything that we do and in, in our life requires energy. And um, so whether we're running, we're jumping, we're thinking, or even we're sitting silently thinking, our body needs a reliable power supply um, to carry on those functions. Um, and it gets the supply by converting food into energy through a set of biological processes, which most of us know as metabolism. And uh, good metabolic health just means that your body can efficiently make and use energy, helping your cells and you as the person function at full capacity. Uh, And then the adverse side of that, poor metabolic health, Um, just means that our cells aren't getting the energy that they need, um, which leads to a slew of mental um, and physical challenges. And why is this crucial that some people may ask? So, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to revert back to diabetes because that's one of the, I guess I would say the most popular um, chronic illness that is known in our society. So it's easy to dismiss blood sugar levels. Um, and other metabolic health markers 
um, as relevant only to people with diabetes, but this could, you know, this kind of like has a huge effect on many of the lifestyle chronic illnesses that we will be discussing um, in our podcast series. So just using type 2 diabetes as an example, you know, this affects one in every 10 adults in the U.S., and it's the eighth leading cause of death. Um, and this just doesn't appear overnight. You know, rather it develops gradually, starting with subtle changes like to a person's ability to generate energy from food. And then long before it results into a clinical diagnosis, meaning that you have been diagnosed with prediabetes or type 2 diabetes, you know, the, the decline in metabolic health affects your physical well-being and can hamper things like your energy, your mood, um, and other aspects of of day-to-day life. So with poor metabolic health, it's going to increase your risk for chronic conditions like Alzheimer's disease. Um, And it has recently um, been diagnosed as diabetes of the brain, Um, Mm -hmm. fatty liver disease, heart disease, um, and even stroke. And the, the main objective that many of us don't understand is this is because our body's systems do not work independently. Everything is connected. And this is the reason why I have spent so much of my life focusing on the holistic approach as well as the functional approach to get to the root cause um, of a lot of these lifestyle illnesses and diseases. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of people are entering into the new year with um, a pocket full of new year resolutions, including, you know, diet and working out. <clears throat> and, and I believe that some of us are going into this um, endeavor of improving our health misguided. <laughs> I mean, I've heard stories of people kind of not eating and working out. And as you're talking about your body needing energy, it just seems like that's not a, necessarily a good combination of to stop eating and hit the gym all the time. <clears throat> uh, to answer that, no, it's not. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, unfortunately, and I'm going to say this, the diet culture um, is a multi, multi billion dollar industry every single year. So whether people are, you know, on social media following, I don't know, a social media influencer or following the latest bad diet um, or trying diet after diet after diet, going to Weight Watchers, whatever it may be. If you're able to take a step back and look at the common denominator, the common denominator in all of these things is restricting your calories because as Americans, we do not focus on our portions. So portion control is a huge impact on overeating. We, as Americans, we are on the standard American diet, which is referred to as SAD, which means SAD. So I always tell everyone, the United States, we focus on a diet that is SAD. Um, that is harming our bodies because it is mostly focused on heavily processed types of foods. 
So if I can just say something very basic um, for any of the listeners who are listening is don't overcomplicate things. You know, we as human beings are very, very, it's very easy for us to overcomplicate things when they don't need to be. So increase your activity, stop living a sedentary lifestyle, um, cut back on processed foods, make sure you're eating adequate amounts of lean protein. And then we do need to be exercising because healthy skeletal muscle is the largest endocrine organ that is responsible for absorbing up to 80% of the glucose that's within our bodies. So if we don't have healthy skeletal muscle, which means we're not exercising, then we are going to end up eventually, um, you know, being diagnosed with one or multiple of these metabolic illnesses or diseases. Mm-hmm. So something else just popped into my head. Um, you know, you see a lot of advertisements for um, pills that curb your appetite. And, you know, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I guess I can predict your answer, but, <laughs> but, but how do you feel about that? So um, anyone who knows me, they know never to even discuss those things with me. Um, and the reason being is, because our body needs essential nutrients and vitamins. And we get these essential nutrients and vitamins through food. And to be more specific, through plant-based foods. And it's mostly fruits and vegetables. So if anyone has ever heard people always talking about eat the color of the rainbow, make sure you're eating your fruit, making sure you're eating plenty of vegetables, five to eight servings throughout the day. This is the reason why, because those are the foods that God has given to us on planet Earth that literally grow from the ground, you know, that supplies our body with its essential vitamins and minerals that are needed for our cells to do its functions daily for us to be able to live and function, have energy, um, vitality, and for our organs you know, to be able to stay healthy. Um, when we take these pills and even, you know, the, the newest fad, you know, that's on the market like the Ozempic um, and the other corresponding medications with Ozempic, you know, that was originally a type two diabetic medication, but so many people are now trying to utilize it for weight loss. Um, and this is supposed to curb your appetite just like all the other ones do. And the issue is your appetite is being curbed, which means you're not eating. So over a period of time, yes, you may start losing weight and you're going to because you're not eating like you used to, which means your energy balance. When we look at your calories, there's less going in than what there typically was before you started taking the medication. But because you're restricting your eating, now you're not getting in enough food to supply your body with the proper amounts of essential vitamins and minerals that it needs. So over a period of time, you are going to end up becoming vitamin deficient um, because of these types of medications. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess you would, people walk around feeling a little sluggish because they haven't eaten any food. 
or less food, <clears throat> not getting the proper nutrients. And henceforth comes into the, the discussion, the energy drinks. I recently met somebody who drinks these things every day, um, multiple times a day. Can you address that at all? What are the risks involved? So the main risk is um, most of these energy drinks are giving you that energy lift because they're caffeinated. And if you really look at how much caffeine, I mean, there's sometimes 10 to 15 to 20 times the amount of caffeine that is recommended daily by um, the American Heart Association. And something that I wish that was publicized a lot more than what it is, is the deaths that occur mainly by younger adults, younger males, who are literally drinking multiple of these energy drinks a day because they will start to give you heart palpitations um, and they can mess up with, you know, your, your, the processes of the heart and then you can end up having a heart attack. Um, you can end up having a stroke. And I mean, some of these people are very healthy people, but they're literally living on these energy drinks and overloading their body um, with the caffeine. Mm -hmm. And then so you, know, I, you have young people that are even um, mixing these energy drinks with alcohol. Correct. And going out and partying. And so that's and then just, now you, And now you have an upper and a downer that's mixed together. Mm-hmm. Right. And and we wonder why we're in the emergency room. <clears throat> Amen. So so um let me ask you a question. You you mentioned pre diabetes and type two diabetes. Is there a you have to educate me here, is there a step between the two of them, like a type one diabetes or um of course. So there's so type one diabetes and type two diabetes, and I, I, I guess I wanna make sure I say this politically correct. So they both are a type of diabetes. What separates type one from type two is type one um, is uh, when the pancreas does not work. So the pancreas is not releasing um, insulin. So it's either releasing very, very minimal or the cells within the pancreas that uh, releases the insulin are completely dead. So there is no cure for type 1 diabetes. So um, as a type 1 diabetic like myself, I am insulin dependent. So for the rest of my life, I have to take injections of insulin every single day. Um, as a type 2 diabetic, type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes, these are lifestyle illnesses and diseases. And what that means are these are developed based on a person's choices of how they choose to live their life and it's more just more than just the types of foods that they eat but it's also do they choose to live a sedentary lifestyle or are they active it also means you know you're looking at it again i'm looking at it from a holistic um, perspective you know what is their environment like um you know the social economic situation because all of this stuff at the end of the day all ties back into um, food when you're looking at it from a bigger perspective because we as humans will always gravitate towards food to soothe ourselves 
um, to deal with emotions. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a way to categorize emotional eating um, based on all of these external factors. So the difference between prediabetes and type 2 diabetes is really just when you go to the doctor and you get um, a metabolic panel done and you get your blood um, checked for your A1C, um, the difference between prediabetes and type 2 diabetes is prediabetes you know, if you're at a um, up to, I do believe, okay, keep changing it, but I think it's up to a uh, 5.9 or 5.87 or 5.8 um, is, con is considered pre-diabetic. And anything above that um, would be considered type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> then we are faced with the reality that some people will go to the doctor and, and as we talked about a little bit earlier offline, not even request a copy of the numbers of the report or they feel as though they've done their due diligence by sitting in the doctor's office or getting, getting blood work done and have no further um, interest or um, ability to, to go over those numbers with, with, you know, to analyze them and see what the next steps are. Correct. Um, so let me correct myself. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, up to a 6.4. So a 5.7 to a 6.4 is pre-diabetic range. Okay. Um, and yes, to answer your question is too many of us, and I'm going to include myself because I was like this way, 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 way back many, many years ago um, before I was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. You know, we put too much, uh, what I want to say, faith and trust in our doctors um, or nurse practitioners or whomever we are seeing when we go to the doctors. And at the end of the day, we only get one life to live. And we, with that one life, we only have one chance to make sure that we get our health correct. So my thought process is why put that in someone else's hands when we need to be taking control of it ourselves. So too many times, yes, we go to the doctor, we um, sit down and the doctor, we allow the doctor to briefly skim over our um, results of our blood work. And many times we don't ask questions. Sometimes we may ask a question if the doctor flags something if it's a little bit too high or a little bit too low but other than that we just listen to what the doctor has to say and then we say okay thank you we get up and we walk away um, too many times with my clients and patients and even just through conversations when other people approach me to ask me questions the common things I hear is no I did not receive a copy of my blood work results no the doctor didn't offer to give them to me um, or no, I don't even understand what I'm even looking at uh, because no one takes the time to, I guess, walk me through to explain things. Um, so, you know, the, the, the best thing for us to be able to start doing to take control of our life and of our health if we really want to start improving is to really start, number one, asking questions when we're at the doctor's office 
Number two, making sure that we're getting a copy um, of our blood results. Um, and in today's age, uh, most of us, I mean, most laboratories, you can download the app onto your mobile device, create an account, and then your lab results should be able to be uploaded into your account through that app. So you actually can have access to it without actually needing to get a paper copy from your doctor. Um, and then the next thing is um, asking questions or under, to understand what it is that you're looking at, um, you know, on these blood results. Um, you know, I'm not expecting people to be educated or to be doctors because most of us, if we're not in the health field, we're not really going to be able to understand and to look at to connect the dots. Um, but if we at least have a basic understanding of what we're looking at, that will allow us to be able to ask further questions um, whenever we're at the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> you mentioned that, you know, um, along with the dietary changes, there's the need for exercise. There's and and in previous conversations that we've had, you've talked about a mindset change, a psychological um, awareness, or that needs to kick in <laughs> to get you motivated to um, to make these adjustments. But here's the thing: I think that people try to make adjustments that they think will do them, you know, serve them well, um, but they're often misguided. Like um, you know, not eating again, not eating food or um, working out. So what's the value of, of seeing somebody like yourself, a nutritionist? Uh, many, many values. <laughs> so um, I work a little bit differently than I think um, some other nutritionists do, again, because I'm also um, board certified um, health practitioner and a health coach. So I've been successful in my business because I have that extra education. Because like you said, there is a huge psychological component in being successful in improving your lifestyle, improving your entire health. Um, and I re people refer to it as a mindset shift. I really don't like to use that word because it's overused. So I, I, I use uh, psychological change, mm -hmm. um, change psychology. So with someone like me, who is also a health coach, we really dive in um, with um, our patients or clients to really understand the entire thought process behind the choices and decisions that the individual person is making um, that, is, that has got them to where they currently are. And we refer to these as triggers. Um, and it's very fascinating because if, if we take a step back and really just analyze one action that we take that deals with food, and we really try to backtrack long enough to kind of like see why am I making this choice or decision, it's amazing to see everyone's different reasonings for it that ties back into childhood. It ties back into the environments that you've been exposed to throughout your entire life. Um, it ties back into family, friends, events, and all that other stuff. Um, but to, to get back to your question to answer, a nutritionist will help educate um, an individual around 
food science and how certain types of foods will affect the body, the importance of making sure that we're consuming certain types of foods to help support the functions of our systems within our body. Um, and then also, and there's an educational component that comes along with that as well. Um, and then, like I said with me, I take that a step further because I realized I wasn't successful um, without my further education um, with the behavioral psychology aspect until I was able to understand the reasonings from a psychology perspective of why an individual was doing the ch or making the choices that he or she was making. Because let's, I mean, let's be real. We all know what we should or shouldn't be doing. We all know eating that, um, you know, half a gallon of ice cream or, you know, a half a large pizza or even a half a bag of cookies isn't the right thing that we should be doing. You're kidding me. So, <laughs> so the question really needs to be, why do I consistently make these choices and um, initiate these actions when I know that it's not really healthy for me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just want to get to add to add value to, to the question. Um, I was recently watching a uh, Netflix special. It was called um, You Are What You Eat, something like that. And um, it showed that people react differently to food, right? And what, how I respond to food might be different than how, let's say, my wife responds to food. And, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why it's even important to have a personal nutritionist, somebody who can look at your numbers, you know, see what your kidneys function is and your cholesterol levels are and all of that to help you make informed decisions about what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. Um, I mean, somebody might be able to live off of fruit and vegetables and too much fruit might harm someone else. 100%. Yeah. Um, yes, each human, every human being is biologically and chemically created differently. Um, all of our bodies are supposed to function the same, but how we process food, digest food, is going to be completely different based on a lot of many factors. Um, some of it can be genetic, um, others can be um, metabolically, and then others can be just based on something as simple as your body composition. You know, someone like myself who is in the gym, um, body fat percentage, you know, is below 10%. My lean body mass is astronomically high. Being a type 1 diabetic, you know, and doctors still don't understand, most of, my, of what I eat is carbohydrates. And for most people, people think, oh, but you're a diabetic. You're not supposed to eat carbohydrates, you know. Um, mm -hmm but every single person is completely different just based on a lot of factors. And like you said, how you metabolize food, how it affects your glucose, which is your metabolic health, is going to be completely different than, you know, the next person who's standing beside you. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's important. There is no cookie cutter plan. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, one of the things that kind of like gets underneath my skin 
is when Susie loses 20 pounds and then she tells her best friend about it. And now her best friend is doing the same diet that Susie was doing. Mm -hmm. But then Susie's best friend gets irritated and upset because she hasn't lost a pound. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand just because it works for one person, it is not guaranteed that it's really going to work for the next. It may be harmful for the next. So again, you know, sometimes we head into these New Year's resolutions with practices and changes to our lifestyle that can actually be harmful, as opposed to doing good. Um, so, so Stephen, you you do have this this life coach practice. How how would people? I mean, if you're still accepting um, clients, how would people contact you? Uh, so, <coughs> right. <coughs> excuse me. I have this cough and I can't get rid of it. Um, at this moment in time, I am in the process of actually rebuilding my website mm-hmm. um, because I have uh, just revamped my entire business and uh, renamed it. So uh, my new business name is uh, Holistic Synergy, mm-hmm. um, and I'm very excited about that. Um, so really Facebook um, or through um, a phone call or text. Mm-hmm. Um, is the best way uh, to be able to get a hold of me. Most of my marketing, because my business is a remote business, um, everything is pretty much done remotely online. Uh, so I do most of my marketing um, on LinkedIn um, as well as um, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Facebook is pretty much Facebook Messenger, um, just sending me a message. Um, and then um, hoping by the end of the month, I will have my website back up mm-hmm. um, and that will be the best way to, you know, to reach out and to get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. So today we've um, embraced our first um, first episode of a series. We're, we're calling this one Unveiling the Metabolic Puzzle. And um, we're going to continue to help our listening audience, which is growing to um, leaving us uh, somewhat of a global footprint, um, people around the world and are listening. And my prayer and hope is that um, somebody um, benefits <clears throat> along the way um, and at least has the strength and the wisdom to do more than just sit in the doctor's office and think that everything is supposed to change because you sat in the doctor's office and he told you to take some pills. So, Stephen, thanks for coming in. And, um, you know, um, again, I'm Reverend J. Stuart Glover. You've been, I've been sitting here with Stephen Beard. He's a nutritionist. He's a, a, a life coach, a diabetic preventionist. And um, I would encourage you to visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can sign up as a, as a um, guest on, uh, to come on the show as a guest speaker or to sign up as a recipient for the mailing list you can contact me directly by email through the website you can even leave me a voicemail through the website so Stephen, thank you for coming in today and i look forward to our next episode for this series which is going to be entitled beyond the numbers in decoding high cholesterol which so many of us um are experiencing so Stephen, thanks a lot any last thoughts uh yes if i could leave uh everyone all the listeners with just one small tidbit of advice uh since we are in 2024 the new year is if i could help change just one person's thought process and that would be 
get rid of New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. New Year's resolutions do not stick. Um, studies year after year shows that only 8% of everyone who makes New Year's resolutions literally sticks to them past three months. So in exchange for New Year's resolutions, I would just say commit to setting goals. Um, the thought process around setting a goal versus a New Year's resolution is better. And I look at it as why should we wait until a new year to start focusing on our health when we should really be setting goals every single day, weekly and monthly, especially when it is regarding our health or even goals for better finance, for faith um, or whatever it may be in our life. So that's what I would like to uh, leave with um, all the listeners today. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And um, to our listening audience, stay tuned. We'll catch you next time. God bless you.